Welcome to Leadership Lessons. I'm Todd Gray, the Executive Director for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Leadership Lessons is a program where we talk to faithful leaders who are making an impact for the gospel. My guest today is Dr. Harold Best. And Brother Harold, we know some things. We know that God saves us, God shapes us. He sends us into a place of ministry. He sustains us in that place. Then he secures us safely home when it's, when it's all wrapped up. It's really good to see you, you doing okay? Yes, doing great. Thank you, right. Dr. Todd, for Let me, inviting me on here today. Well, uh, thank you for coming I mean, on. I, I love the podcast, and uh, I've loved getting to know pastors in Kentucky. And uh, so thank you for doing this, and uh, thank you for your leadership. Brother Harold, I love I love introducing pastors and church leaders to other, other folks. Let me tell folks some things about you. Brother Harold is married to Jenny. They have two children, Kyle and Caitlin. Kyle got married last uh, last summer. He had a COVID wedding. I remember watching or seeing some of that on Facebook. Uh, Brother Harold grew up in Washington County in uh, Mackville. He's a graduate of Washington County High School, uh, also attended Eastern Kentucky University, holds a master's degree from Southern Seminary and a doctorate from Southern in Biblical Counseling. He's pastored three churches, uh, Emmanuel and Danville, Lancaster Baptist, and then Burlington Baptist, where he serves right now. Brother Harold is a great Kentucky Baptist pastor, partner, leader. He's a friend and just a, a real blessing. So, Brother Harold, thank you again for taking the time to, to join, join in with us. Yes, sir. My privilege. All right. So let's start right here. Uh, God saves us, shapes us, sends us, sustains us, secures us, all those all those things. And all of them start with the S's, which make, would make for a nice sermon one day. So tell us how the Lord saved you. How old were you when you when you got saved? Yeah, so uh, I was raised in church and uh, made an early decision. And uh, you know, as uh, many people testify, as a as a teenager, I I kind of began to wrestle with my salvation. And uh, so I was about sixteen. Uh, I began to uh, think I was lost, and uh, you know, just week after week, just kind of yeah. wrestled with that. And uh, on a, a Friday night, there were some things going on in our church, and I think the pastor resigned that week. And I thought, oh, my goodness, uh, the pastor resigned, and I, I need to get saved. And uh, I, I think I was on a date, and uh, my, my girlfriend said, what's the matter with you? And I said, well, I don't know if I'm going to heaven if I die. And she wow. says, well, why don't you get saved? And I'm like, well, I, I need to. And so we went to the pastor's house maybe at like 10 o'clock. And uh Brother Chuck Robinson was my pastor, and uh, we, we went to his study and talked, and I prayed and asked the Lord to save me, and uh, just uh, excited about that. Went home and told my mom and dad, and of course, they woke up, and they're like, well, I thought you was already saved, and I'm like, well, I am now, and so. Wow, uh, so you, you gained assurance at that point, and, and, and so now, as an adult, you look back on that. When, when do you think you receive the Lord, Brother Harold, or do you just say, man, I know I'm saved today. I'm not 100% of it, sure if it happened when I was a child or when I was 16. Yeah. I would say that, that, uh, yeah. I wasn't sure, but, but was sure after that night and, uh, you know, haven't had to, to doubt that and, uh, just told the Lord how I felt. And so yeah. that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. So, uh, saving your 16, what's one of the first things you remember as a brand new Christian? Well, you know, there was some, uh, there was some division in our church around that time. And, uh, our one church became two churches, ultimately became three churches. Oh, wow. And uh, I was a young age, and uh, I love people in all those churches. And uh, I really struggled with why can't 
we get along and why do we have to have two or three churches and my mom and dad went to one and and I thought I needed to go to another one and just uh and then we tried to do some evangelism you know as a new believer you want to do some evangelism and uh we kind of had a hard time doing evangelism because it was a small community and everybody knew we couldn't get along ourselves and so we just uh we kind of hurt the the witness of Christ and uh just you know I after becoming a pastor, I always thought I, I don't ever want to be a part of splitting a church. Uh, yeah. Having seen the, the outcome of that. Well, Harold, I mean, that's, a, that's really incredible that as a 16 year old boy that you're wrestling with those kind of thoughts, you know, even as a new believer, I think a lot of folks would just, it, it wouldn't have been where they were. So it sounds like the Lord was already shaping something in your, in your spirit and in your life yeah. at, at that very, yeah. very young age. When I was in college, I, when I came home for the summer, I, the first Wednesday night that I, I went to uh, to church, uh, they were having a business meeting. And uh, the church, they, they kind of had some issues that I didn't know about. And, and that night, they kind of broke out into a, a fight. Oh. I'm sitting there not knowing what's going on. But uh, I just happened to be at the right age where I, I could go to all three of those churches. And I preached in all three of them. And I, at one time, I think I might have been on the road, all three of them. Uh, so yeah. I just never could understand why we couldn't just be family. And uh, that happens sometimes. I, it does. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, we get locked into a, a position or a view. And for a lot of us, you know, down the road, we'll look back and say, you know, I ha- I was convinced at that time. I still think I was right, but I probably didn't handle it the best the best way. And I, my guess is some of those folks have, have probably come yeah. to that conclusion since then. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of water under the bridge. But yeah, yeah, I think they'd all recognize that. Those are those are hard things. Well, uh, Harold, when you were a brand new Christian, who who helped you grow as a believer? Was there anybody that invested in your life, or how did you begin to experience Christian growth? Yeah, Brother Chuck Robinson was my pastor, and his wife uh, Sharon. She taught Sunday school. Uh, she had us memorizing scriptures. Uh, Man, he he wanted me to be a, a teacher uh, when I started college, and it scared me to death. But uh, that helped me grow uh, over the years. A, a few times, just being able to teach uh, pushed me to grow, and uh, I'm thankful for those opportunities. I've heard that a bunch of times that that folks who teach Sunday school regularly will say, you know, I love doing it. I think the folks probably benefit, but but they would say I benefit more than anybody because I'm studying the Bible and trying to prepare lessons. Sounds like that was your experience as well. Yeah. Brother Barry Jeffries, after we got married, asked Jenny and I to do a, a college age class. And uh, it started with just her, her and I. But uh, when they started coming, they would ask some of the just craziest questions. And I would study all week. I'm thinking Brian Burkhead was in there. And I'm thinking, what's he going to ask? And so I'm <laughs> studying all week to just say, uh, they're going to ask me something that I don't know. And so it was helpful to me. Uh, so much, and uh, Brother Barry asked me to do a experiencing God one time, and and that was probably that probably affected my life at that yeah. time more than than anything. Just leading that, and uh, so I'm thankful that they pushed us a little bit. Yeah, that always helps. That's how folks end up getting being developed. So you said that you you um, were saved when you were 16, and you mentioned you you've never not really doubted that that experience. Have there been times? So you're you're in your late 40s now. Are you somewhere in there? Almost 50. 
All right. Yeah, I think I saw that somewhere. You're coming up on your 50th birthday. Um, ha- have you experienced any doubt at all? Because a lot of folks have. I mean, let me let me qualify a little bit. I, I did um, I did my doctorate work on helping folks with assurance of <clears throat> salvation. I interviewed pastors, chaplains, and evangelists, and asked if they've ever doubted their salvation. And most all of them had. Seventy-something percent had experienced some level of doubt, either short-term or very long-term. Has that been part of your Christian experience since that time at 16? No, I, I, I want to say, you know, I've, you, I go to scripture and it says he who is believing and I, yep. I always answer that question. Well, I, I'm going to stand before God and I'm just going to say, I'm trusting in you. And that's what you said. And that's, that's all I got. And, and Harold, that's the answer to doubt. I mean, that is yeah. it right there because your feelings yeah. will sure, you know, uh, Desi again was on here last week and, and Desi made this statement. He had a pastor that said to him, he said, uh, the devil will make you think maybe you're not saved or maybe you're lost, but only God will tell you that you're lost. And, and, uh, and then the answer to that doubt is just, man, it's, here's what the Bible says. As far as I know, yeah. I, I mean, I, as far as I can trust, I believe in and trusting in Jesus. Well, I, I appreciate that clear, that clear answer. Hey, I read one of your blog posts, um, online at your church, you wrote something called gospel stewardship. That was really good. You had this quote from David Platt in there that said, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Why did that quote stand out to you? Well, I just, uh, I feel like we're blessed to have access to the gospel. I mean, we could have been born in a country that didn't have access to the gospel. And uh, personally, I've raised with godly parents who took me to church and I was able to hear the gospel. And, uh, you know, I don't want the church to ever get, you know, feel like, well, we've got our ticket punched and not care about those who yeah. maybe haven't heard. And uh, and so, I, you know, I feel like we, we have a stewardship. God's entrusted us with the gospel and uh, we want to get that out and share it. And uh, so this gospel for every uh, to every home, uh, you know, I've had a few people say, you know, that's not my cup of tea. And, uh, you know, I've said if you were coming to church this morning and you saw a house on fire. I hope you're going to go knock on the door and. Even if that's not your cup of tea, yeah. uh, because you want to warn them. And if we believe that people without Christ are dying and going to hell, yeah. then we got to do some things that might not be our cup of tea. And and telling people the gospel is a, is a stewardship thing, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not a professional firefighter, but you'd do something to help that family in that in Absolutely. that house. And you might not yeah. feel like you're the best evangelist. Well, um, Brother Harold, so God saves us, God shapes us, and the Lord uses people. To shape us, you've mentioned two or three. You mentioned uh, tough questions from Brian Burkhead. I hope he gets to listen to this and and hear that he was a stimul a stimulus in your uh, Christian experience. You mentioned Barry Jeffries, who's um, I suppose was Barry at Lancaster when you were. Um, he was at Emmanuel. Uh, Emmanuel, okay. He was my at Emmanuel, and, All right. and uh, I followed him at Emmanuel and at Lancaster. He he kind of plowed the ground for me, and so that was always helpful. So you mentioned Barry as someone who tried to put you to work. And then you mentioned your pastor, Brother Robertson, as someone as well. Anybody else the Lord has used in your life to help shape you as a leader and as a pastor? Oh, so many. Uh, Brother Randy McFerrin was my pastor yep. when I felt called to ministry. And uh, he, he really showed me a heart for evangelism. And uh, he, he was passionate about that. And so I, I feel like I got some of that from him. Uh, Brother Barry just really showed me how to pastor people and love people and lead people that way. And so uh, th- they were all so helpful. And then uh, man, I've, 
had some godly deacons, yep. men who just, uh, they're still good friends, but uh, who helped me so much along the way. And, uh, and I'm thankful for them. Uh, my mom and dad read the Bible every day. They taught Sunday school. Uh, just just uh, seeing that growing up was, was helpful. And, uh, and then I, there's some, you know, Jason Moore, you know, there's some pastors who yep. just, they'll call you out of the blue and just say, Hey, I just want you to know, I'm praying for you today. Love you. You know, two minutes sometimes, uh, Stephen Brogel, uh, some of those guys are so encouraging. And, uh, and so, I, I mean, I couldn't probably list all the, sure. the men, former coworkers, uh, so thankful for them. And, but, but, uh, but what you're saying is right. The Bible is so Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens yeah. countenance of another, but 13, 20 says he who walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So the people that you put yourself around, I mean, those names you listed, I think I know almost every one of them, except your parents, that they're just, they're wise people who are trying to walk yeah. with the Lord. And we, we grow by being around those kind of people. Alistair Begg used to say this, he would say, show me your five friends, your closest friends. I can show you what you're going to look like in five years. And the, yeah, the that's, people, that's good. And, and you know, that, that, that means a lot to the folks that we listen to on social media, you know, and the folks that we read their, read their books. We need to be careful sure. and who were around, sure. who were around. So uh, God uses people and you mentioned several people to shape us, but God also uses pain, you know, trouble, painful experiences. Has that been part of your Christian growth that the Lord has used painful experiences to show? I mean, you mentioned one, the split of a church, a church you love becoming three churches. Anything else come to mind that, God has yeah, used in my first pastorate, we we had a, a couple young guys uh, who were killed, nineteen and twenty, in a in a they they painted water towers, and uh, they were in my Sunday school class, and uh, right. they fell inside there, and and uh, both of them were killed, and uh, that was hard, and and I was a young pastor, and but God just God used that uh, one one young man that worked with them, his name Scott Hurst. He got saved uh, at the visitation. He's a associate pastor at Emmanuel Baptist wow. now, but uh, God used some of that terrible times, and we kind of had a little bit of a revival there at Emmanuel because of the impact of those two young men. Uh, that they were Christians, and they they talked to others about the Lord sometimes, and and their yeah. death was such a tragedy. And early on, we. Uh, we had several tragedies at, at one time, and uh, God just kind of brought us together. We we had some church issues when I started there, but God kind of used some tragedies to kind of unite the church and help us to love and uh, really kind of sent revival there for a few years. And so God certainly used some tragedies for, for good. Yeah, it's always the case. And, you know, when you're going through it, you never want to make light of what folks are going through because pain is pain. But when we're going through it, we don't always see it. But on the other end, we, we we can. So the Lord uses people and uses pain. Here's a third P. The Lord uses problems. And sometimes they're problems that we ourselves have created uh, to grow us. Have you had any ministry missteps or mistakes that, that actually became a catalyst for your own growth and development? Well, that's, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I think my first year of ministry was probably my hardest. Uh, we, we had some... Uh, when I first started as a as filling in and then as an interim, and th there was some church conflict and and people just kind of mad at each other and uh, and I, and I was a little bit mad at the church that I was filling in. It was a kind of a home church, 
after we got married and uh and i feel like some had uh been hard on on my pastor and so uh, i wanted to preach the word but i was kind of preached angry a little bit and uh you hard know, to I, hard I to imagine. <laughs> hard to imagine. By the way, you smile most of the time, so it's hard to imagine you preaching angry. If I get angry, they say my lip quivers a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and, but but just uh, I mean, God taught me some things about grace and His graciousness to us, and uh, so, so uh, as far as making mistakes, I've made plenty of those. People yeah. been super patient with me though, and so I'm thankful for that. Harold, if every if every pastor could overcome that notion of of preaching angry. I can remember preaching personalized sermons because I was upset with somebody and the way they were behaving and it never failed. If I preach a personalized sermon, either that guy didn't show up that Sunday or he slept all the way through my sermon, you know, Yeah. (laughs) and and then I give the invitation. He's not moved at all, but some poor old lady broken over something that, you know, might not even be a big deal. She's down there crying and weeping. So that's never a good thing. To, so how do you overcome that? So if you if you've got you know you got something in your heart you put out with the way folks are behaving, how do you avoid taking that to the pulpit with you? What's worked yeah. for you? That's a good. I, I mean, I, I tell the Lord. Yeah. Uh, so I, and and that's been helpful. Uh, I, I tell one situation where early on somebody came into my office and they said, uh, preacher, and I know I'm not a, a very good church member, but and he he told me his opinion. And the the next Sunday, yeah. I, in my preaching, and I, I didn't have my notes or anything, but but it just came out. I said, now, if you come and you tell your preacher you're not a very good church member, the first thing you ought to do is is repent. Yeah. Uh, because Christ <laughs> loved the church, died for the church. And uh, it, it came out, and uh, I knew what I did. And, yeah. uh, you know, this fellow, he didn't come back. I, I, yeah. I called him a, a few weeks later, and, and the first thing he said was, you know what you did? And I said, I, I know what I did, and uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry that that came out. But, yeah. yeah, so I think talking to the Lord about it rather than uh, using it as a as a weapon is is important. Preachers are people, and when, and when we're hurt, we say things, unfortunately, that we probably otherwise wouldn't have said. One, one very well-known preacher and writer, contemporary today, makes the statement that those who speak a lot should be given 10% grace. I used to think 10% was a little heavy, you know, it seems like a lot of grace, but the more I've spoken and preached, the more I think yeah. that I probably need to give grace to people when they don't say things exactly right or from a right spirit. And I, yeah. and I hope to receive that same, that same kind of grace. Yeah, um, that's good. I listened to your sermon from last Sunday. It was a really good message for the Herald. You, your, your sermon was from second Timothy one. I think it was called grace empowered living. Uh, several things stood out to me. Number one is you're an expositional preacher, an expository preacher. You just opened up the text and tried to explain, but you did use an outline, which I thought was very helpful. Your message was, um, I wrote down the two, you only had two points, um, the basis of the gospel and the benefits of the gospel. I think, is that about right? Yes, yeah, sir. I don't have that in my note. Um, but I also noticed some other things that you preach in khaki pants and a golf shirt, probably about the way that you're, was that, have you always done that? Or was that just kind of culture at Burlington? No, it's uh, just kind of a, a culture thing from, yeah. for, for Burlington. I mean, when I started, it was a, a suit and tie and, and then uh, Lancaster was probably a, a jacket with no tie sometimes. And then uh, Burlington's just a little, it's laid back. It's and, laid uh, back. They don't, I can wear jeans or I could, you know, I'm not very comfortable with my shirt pulled out, but uh, they don't care. They, yeah, they're, they're good at. Well, this man, the service was incredible from the the start of the worship time 
to the very end of it. Um, your worship leader, Danny, is he's he's just a special guy, uh, but he, he really does a good job with just kind of a friendly environment, you know, and he's obviously comfortable with himself and the church yeah. is comfortable as well. Um, who influenced your preaching? I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, everybody loves Danny. So. Yeah. Who influenced your preaching, Brother Harold? Who would you point to and say, this person made a big difference in my preaching? Well, I love, I always uh, loved David Jeremiah. Uh, yeah. Probably when I used to work in a factory, he would be on at five o'clock every day and I'd try to go home and on the way home, listen, I'd sit in the car until he got done. But I, I love, you know, his outlining and I mean, he could just conversationally preach through the text. And uh, I, I listened to Adrian or Al, uh, Alistair Begg every morning. Yeah. And uh, he's just a, a great communicator. Uh, th those probably the, the most. Uh, well, they're both really good preachers and they're both distinct enough in their style that you're not going to try to emulate them. You're not yeah. going to sound like you're sure not going to sound like Alistair Begg. And yeah. sort of Washington County, yeah. Kentucky, and you're not going to sound yeah. like David Jeremiah, but but boy, what and, what great models! David, David Platt, I, I just love his passion. I mean, he yeah. just uh, he's so passionate about the lost, about missions, and so uh, you know, once a week, I'll try to listen to him and uh, learn from him. Well, your sermon was was excellent. I did notice that you gave a lot of attention to gospel to every home. Um, I think y'all are taking like four thousand homes in your county. Why, why is that so important to you, Brother Harold? Harold, why are you giving that emphasis? Well, I, I like that initiative. I, I appreciate uh, Rob Patterson and you and your leadership there. And, uh, you know, I realize that churches don't do evangelism like they used to. We yep. just decided that door-to-door -door doesn't work. And so we didn't replace it with anything. And yeah. so uh, we did the 40 days of prayer, and we've asked the Lord for laborers. And, uh, man, the the Lord's helped us. We've, we had about 70 people two different times come out and help us pack. Wow. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm convinced, uh, we, we should be able to give out more gospel packets than anybody in Kentucky. Yeah. And, uh, well, I've just challenged, we, we did 4,000. That's kind of round one. Uh, I hope to do it twice. We, there's about 8,000 homes within three miles of the church. Yeah. And, uh, I, I want us to, to get all those Lord willing, uh, and I've had some good response. You know, I had a guy call me last week and he said, you know, I didn't really like this ideal, uh, but the Lord's convinced me that this is what we're supposed to do. And and he said, you keep packing them. And if me and my wife have to give out the give them out, we, we'll keep doing it. And uh, and so I'm like, well, praise the Lord. The and uh, I had a late Monday morning. She said, well, I used to be in sales and, uh, you know, we, we got to hit them three to five times before they really know we. And I've said, well, let's let's get them once, and then we'll, we'll find some areas. <laughs> I love we'll it. Go back. I love time. it. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to put that fire out, but let's 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 get it to everybody first, and then we'll go back to those areas and and see what we can do. So that's exciting you know, Harold, to see people. Well, what y'all are doing honors the fact that the Spirit of God is at work in people's hearts. The Lord's doing things in the lives of people that we don't know anything about, and you're showing yeah. up there just as a as a systematized plan. And you're going to hit some people that, or meet some folks that God's at work in their life. And, and it's just going to yeah. be timely for them or providential for them. Yeah. I think it's providential that we're doing this right after COVID. I, I've seen people be more receptive than, than I ever have. And, yeah. Uh, we've we've got here. people coming and uh, listening and responding. And so I, I'm really excited about it. I, I, I tell the church a great commitment to the great commission. We'll build a great church. And uh, if, if they'll do the great commission, God will, God will grow us. And so well, I believe that I believe it's the case. You're, you're leading, 
you're leading that way. I also noticed that you gave a, a real good, clear, traditional invitation that you you listed four or five ways that folks could respond at the at the end. And it looks like folks, you know, I, I noticed some folks came and talked to you, but other folks were coming to pray. Is that just kind of the atmosphere at Burlington? They appreciate they they they're willing to respond and come to the front invitation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of us wish that there'd be more response, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think that there's a environment where people would feel comfortable responding and, and praying and uh, serving the Lord's Supper, whatever, you know, and uh, so I hope that's the environment. Uh, Harold, the Lord never leads us to a place where we already know everything to do at that place, right? Every yeah. assignment stretches us because the Lord's shaping you as well as that church. What's something that you've had to kind of accept or be stretched into to serve well at, at Burlington Baptist. Oh, <clears throat> so uh, you, you know, Dr. Todd, I, I think I was pretty comfortable at Lancaster. That's my kind of people there, and they talk like me. And yep. uh, so, just making the move to, to Northern Kentucky is a different environment. Altogether and, uh, different. Yeah, and I I got a country accent, and uh, and so uh, this is a different environment. And uh, but but people have been receptive and yeah. and uh, it just, uh, you know, dressing down something as silly as that, uh, something as, you know, there's different views on uh, just lifestyle. I understand. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So getting used to that. And I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like the Lord wanted to get me out of my comfort zone a little yeah. bit. And uh, so, you know, I. I resisted a little bit, but uh, he's been faithful and, and uh, people have been so uh, encouraging. So I, I'm thankful for that. Well, all ministry is walking on water, Harold. If if we yeah. can do it without the Lord, we need to quit doing it or go do something, something else. You know, God's always going to have us dependent on, yeah. on him. Hey, what is some way, uh, and maybe what you've already said in evangelism, that you're trying to shape the culture. You've come into a good church. There are a lot of really good things going on there. Uh, outstanding, outstanding congregation. Uh, you let me preach one time. I, I just loved it, man. It's a, it's an, it's an exciting congregation, very yeah. warm and welcoming and friendly. And you just, you feel invited when you, when you walk into that space, you just feel welcome there. Yeah. And, yeah. That's that's a good that's a good thing. How are you trying to shape that culture without taking away from the great things they're already doing? Yeah, well, I think as far as they're they're a super welcoming church, and uh, you know, as I said, you know, I pick on Danny sometimes, our, our song leader. I mean, he's got tattoos all over him, and and uh, people feel welcome to, and they're like, if you can let Danny lead your worship, then they'll let me come. Uh, <laughs> So we've they've been super about that. Uh, discipleship's probably been the area where I felt like we we probably uh, and that's kind of the the area the Lord put the uh, just the vision for me is just to, to kind of lead them in discipleship, uh, growing. And uh, we we've got about five men discipleship groups right now, and I'm I'm really excited about that because uh, you know that was kind of my heart, and and they responded to that, and uh, you know when I first. Last year, the, the deacons wanted to talk about elders, and and uh, and I'm I'm glad to lead that discussion. Uh, but I said, you know, I really feel like we need a few years of discipleship before we get to that discussion. And yeah. uh, that, they agreed, and uh, I mean that was exciting to, That's good. to see them buy into that. 
Well, you, you, I'm loving watching. I'm loving to watch what the Lord's doing at Burlington, how God's using using you. So, Lord saves us. Lord shapes us. Um, God sends us into ministry assignments. So, at, at what age did you know you were being called to Christian ministry leadership? Yeah, I was about 29 and uh, had a a good job. And uh, I, I was a Sunday school teacher, deacon at uh, Emmanuel. I felt like I was, you know, faithful in what God had called me. And, uh, I was serving on a pastor search committee and, uh, we, we visited seven churches in about eight weeks. And, uh, it seemed like everywhere we went, they had a message for me. And, and it, when we get done, the, the, the team would be like, nah, he's probably not the man. And, and I would say he, he might not have been the man, but man, I needed to hear that. And, yeah. uh, and so the Lord just started staring. I mean, we were, you know, fasting and praying, during that time and, and the Lord just began and, and I got to a point where I felt like, uh, I couldn't stay where I was at and be faithful any longer. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I had to pursue that and, and the Lord opened up opportunities and just, uh, he'd been so good. For so really how you're 20, 29 years old, you were married, right? Yes. And so you had, a, you said you had a good job. What was your job? Uh, I was environmental safety manager in, in yeah. a factory in Danville. Okay, good job. Teaching Sunday school, serving the Lord. Already had a reputation at church. They trusted you, so they put you on the search search committee. And whatever church you went to, you heard God speaking to you about your own calling. That is absolutely incredible. I've never heard that story before. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a God thing. And, uh, and I, you know, when I told my wife, I mean, she didn't marry a preacher, but I'm like, honey, I, every time I try to, and I, I don't even feel like I can be faithful working anymore. I just I feel like I know what God wants me to do, and uh, we we got to do it. And uh, I had a I had a well, you can't say, you can't stop right there. What did she say? <laughs> oh well, the Lord had to kind of convince her as well. <laughs> okay, and, uh, I mean that's fair. That's completely fair because Lord, if yeah. Lord's calling you, He's He's speaking to her too. Yeah, yeah. But I had an unsaved plant manager that I worked for, and uh, I can remember trying to. I, I checked on seminaries, and and I found out that I could do Monday classes, and and so I went to him and I tried to explain a ministry call to someone who was unchurched, and yep. and uh, I I can remember him kind of just shaking his head, and uh, I said, you know, I, I could uh, take seminary classes on Monday, and and then work more hours during the week and keep up my work. Uh, but you're not obligated to let me do that. And, uh, and he said, so let me, let me think about that. And, uh, I, I said, I, he ain't going to do that. Uh, yeah. but he did, he, he was like, well, let's try it. And, uh, and it, it, it was a blessing. Uh, and yet it was hard on my family because, you know, sure. you leave at six in the morning you get home at 10. You, yep. uh, I was a terrible husband and I, yeah. I realized that, you know, God, God wants me to love my wife and take care of my, I had two, had a baby and a three-year-old at the time. And, uh, and so I was going to quit that and move to Louisville and find something. And then the Lord opened up the church, asked me to fill in and be the interim. And, and, uh, then they wanted me to be the pastor. And I said, I, I'm not, I'm not ever even had a preaching class. Uh, but, but they were so patient. And, uh, I, I've just, like I said, felt blessed that, that God just provided. Is that the church you were on the search committee? Yeah. <laughs> All well, right. Yeah. So, so, so we had a pastor. We, I mean, Brother Andy was our pastor. He was the pastor that the search committee picked. 
Okay. And uh, and so I, I he was our pastor when I kind of wrestled with ministry and uh, and so he led me through some of that and was yeah. helpful and uh, but so I, I followed brother Rand. I mean, he was my pastor and then I I followed him as I see. Okay, the, all right. So uh, you've pastored three separate churches. They're they're all they're all three different from from one another and you could tell how you mentioned how in some ways they're different. Brother Harold, what do you love about being a pastor? Uh, I love pastoring people, yeah. uh, loving people, caring for them. I, I love preaching. Uh, yeah. Both of those are just favorites. Uh, now, when, when I felt called into ministry, I, I told the Lord, I don't I don't even like people. Uh, and he, you know, he puts a, a pastor heart in, in us, I think. That's right. And so I, I love that. I hated COVID when you couldn't go and check on people and go to the hospitals and uh, I that was frustrating to me, but, uh, but I love to do that. Uh, my week area would probably be visionary. I'm, I'm not so much of a, a visionary, uh, but I, I love to pastor people and, and preach to them. And uh, as such, I, I love it when the KBC comes out with the yeah. Gospel Every Home initiatives and, and they kind of have that vision and, and we just jump in there and join them. That to me is, is helpful. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you find it find it helpful. So you 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 love being a pastor, obviously, and God's put some things in your heart. Is there any part of it that you'd stop doing today if you could? Not not pastoring, but is there any part of it that you just don't love as much? I don't know. I I, yeah. I, I feel the most just, blessed to be. You able just to kind of adapt it. and do it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I. I I kind of enjoyed not having as many meetings during COVID. If yeah. you know that was that was fun. <laughs> we we do have lots of lots of meetings. Uh, so back from your first church, you mentioned kind of the preaching angry thing, and we've all done that. Any of us that that have been have preached very long. Anything else? If you can go back to year one or year two or year three, and you have a chance to do a do over at a, at your first church, anything you'd do different? Yeah. Well, you know. After I know so many years, somebody asked me, "What have you learned the most in uh, in ministry?" And uh, you know, when I reflected on it, it was just uh, God is so gracious. And uh, the more I study Jesus, the more grace I see Him extend to to yeah. people. And yeah. uh, and so uh, when I first started, uh, I was at a church and at a time when uh, you you could preach me. Uh, yeah. and they liked it yeah. and uh, you know I, I guess that's probably one area that I've probably transitioned from a little bit I, you know I I want to be more like Jesus and yeah. I, I want to give the truth uh, but I want it to be seasoned with grace and uh, we, we obviously see him always extending grace and he, yeah. you know the woman at the well I mean he, he identifies her sins uh, he, he not only wanted to to save her, but, but he wanted to, to comfort her in that and, and, and help her to see that uh, he is our satisfaction. And so just to try to season everything with grace is probably something that I wish I had uh, been more considered of way back then. Well, Harold, I love that answer. You know, just, it's a reminder that, you know, we tell folks in evangelism, God God meets you where you are and saves you right where you are. He didn't expect you to get cleaned up before he saves you. But God also sanctifies us right where we are, that we, we all have a starting place, and we hopefully we're growing as followers of Jesus. And, and we still recognize that guy from 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, but hopefully we're not just like that same person yeah. that we were yeah. in, in every, every way. 
Dr. Todd, I might have had a little legalism in me and yeah. uh, a little self-righteousness. And, yeah. uh, you know, the more I study Jesus, I mean, he 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 didn't care for the self-righteous. And, no. uh, and so just realizing that uh, it took it took as much grace to save me as it did the yeah. drug addict or the, the prostitute. I mean, I, I was self-righteous. And yeah. God hates it. So, yeah, well, that's really, that's really encouraging. I'm reading this book, Harold, um, called the sending church defined It's written by one of our Kentucky Baptist pastors, Brad Bell. Uh, Brad's from Monticello area. Do you know, Brad? I, I know the name, but I, I, yeah. I don't know him personally. You know, I had lunch the other day and he gave me this book. Uh, so he defines ascending church this way. And I'm, I'm going to read this for a reason. He says, ascending church is a local community of Christ followers who have made a covenant together to be prayerful, deliberate, and proactive in developing, commissioning, and sending their own members, both locally and globally, often in partnership with other churches or agencies, and continuing to encourage, support, and advocate advocate for them while making disciples cross-culturally and upon their return. And so the reason I've, I read that to you and wanted to bring this up was that in your message on Sunday at the invitation, a young man named Nicholas came up, and you all kind of commissioned Nicholas for a camp experience that he's going to have this year he's leading and you also mentioned kyle and molly so tell us about your this nicholas and kyle and molly and your view as ascending pastor yeah okay well well nicholas is going to do uh lifeway camp summer camps and uh and so we're excited for him and that opportunity and uh, kyle and molly are uh from the church and uh they're serving in indonesia uh, imb missionaries and uh, we, we try to, uh, we talked to them last week and uh, just try to encourage them. And we want the church to remember to pray for them because, you know, they're on the other side of the world and uh, yeah. just trying to make Christ known. And uh, I'm excited to, about, you know, even your discussions about calling out the called. Yeah. Uh, I think we've probably been weak on that. And uh, God, God gives you. Uh, some some gifted people that he could use mightily, and so yep. we we want to to call that. Uh, uh, I've been reading that Jeff Orton book on uh, calling, and that's been yep. helpful. It's a good and book. I want to be intentional. I, I noticed in your preaching, you're you're good about calling out the call, and I I want to do that. And the church, our, you know, Burlington would support that, uh, support those who are called, and uh, and so I, I'm thankful for a church that would be supportive of. Uh, people called out of the church into to ministry well, I want... to help church. Yeah. Help churches locally. We we're trying to help Bulletsburg, a local church here that's uh -huh. struggling a little bit. We we've got some resources and people that could do that. Mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't there obviously when you surrendered to ministry, but, but my guess is that when you finally went before the church and said yes to a calling, the folks at the church said, yep, yeah, I, I saw that coming. That's no surprise at, at this, at this point. And so we, I know there are folks like that all over Kentucky Baptist churches that, that sure. God's just sure. stirring her heart. Acts 13 two, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. The Holy Spirit didn't just say it to Barnabas and Saul. He also said it to the believers that were gathered. And so that's happening in our churches. And we, we need to be part of what God's doing and sending Absolutely. out those who are, who are called. Well, I'm grateful for your work with Nicholas. I thought it was great that y'all prayed for him it was part of your invitation that that maybe god's calling you and then also mike and mike and molly that's that's just super in, encouraging so let's talk about uh 
how God has sustained you. How long have you been in, in vocational ministry or Christian ministry? 20 years. 26? 20, 20 years. 20. 20. 20. Okay, 20 years. So Warren Wearsby wrote a book. Uh, he was a Northern Kentucky pastor, by the way. He served somewhere in your in your area. He wrote a book called In Praise of Plotters, uh, P-L-O-D-D-E-R-S. And he, he viewed the local church pastor as a plotter, somebody that's just one step at a time, just trying to move forward. That's what ministry, I know, feels like. Uh, you mentioned a couple of difficult spots. What has been one of your most difficult seasons of ministry where it was just kind of a matter of, I've just got to get up and keep moving forward? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I've had too many of those. Uh, yep. My first first year was just uh, difficult and uh, just trying to lead through some division. Uh, that was difficult and uh, you know, I, I think mid COVID was, was kind of a, a time where, you know, I struggled uh, a little bit, just, you know, you're tired and you, you can't see people. Uh, we, we were isolated from our family a little bit. And, uh, my wife was, uh, my wife's a teacher, but she's extroverted. And so her being at home by herself, trying to teach online and, uh, missing the kids and, and missing interactions, uh, that that was a this you know so that was a tough time I think and just sure. personally wanting to uh, meet her needs and and care about what she was going through was was difficult. How, how have you seen the Lord sustain you personally, Brother Harold, during difficult seasons or just just what you're describing mid COVID? What what did what did you see God doing that was just helpful during that time? Yeah, you you know uh, the Lord confirmed uh, not. My, so much my calling but but just that i was where he wanted me yeah. several times just in little ways you know like he does he just there's a big turnout for this and you didn't know if anybody would show up or uh people are you know they're doing ministries on their own and just this some some of those areas where where he lets you know that he's you're right where he wants you to be and uh i think that's encouraging to to know that uh you're you're doing the Lord's work, and He's showing you that you're where you're supposed to be. Uh, even I've, you know, sometimes I feel like Jonah and yep. want to run from that. Yeah. Uh, but when He confirms it, that makes all the difference. Brother, every pastor in the world who's being transparent will say, "Yes, I felt like wanting to just run the other direction at, at some point in in ministry." But it, but it, it, it's it's a wonderful thing when God just settles you and says, "This is exactly where I put you." And just keep keep walking, keep walking through it. Uh, what did you did you learn anything about yourself during COVID, or anything about ministry that you needed to remember during that time? Yeah, I, I think uh, just uh, not taking people for granted. Yeah. You know, uh, even this past Sunday, we had I don't know maybe ten people that came back that hadn't been back for a year, and uh, and I just try to remind the church, you know, we we took this for granted. And uh, we had some vulnerable people uh, that, you know, they, they got their vaccines and uh, they, they've come back. And, and, and it's special. Uh, yeah. You know, it's always good to see visitors. Uh, but, but now's the time with the church. We can even celebrate when church members come back yeah. because it's been a year since we've seen them and uh, we've missed them and loved them. And, and so, uh, you know, take the time to, to love one another as family every time you get together. I think is is just been a good reminder about that. 
Wow, that's just that's that's powerful. Um, so the Lord has encouraged you and sustained you. Anything you're doing different on the other side of COVID that um, that you might not have changed beforehand, or any way the church is is functioning different after COVID? Yeah, well, we've tried to you know do do what a lot of churches have done and evaluate some things and and take a few things away and and put some attention on things that that uh, we feel like are are effective. And so, uh, again, discipleship has been an area where we've really put a lot of energy uh, coming back. And uh, we've, we've tried to continue to do some stuff online to, to yeah. stay connected. And uh, Danny and I do this little podcast that's, you know, kind of a follow-up from the sermon. Uh, but just, to, you know, to kind of get that out there and, and help people grow a little bit at home during the week. So you good. and Danny are having a conversation uh, after the sermon or about the message? Yeah, we do that uh, and put that out on Tuesday nights. And uh, we, we have a good time. We're, we're a little, my wife says a little bit silly, but uh, we have a good time. Kind of, well, uh, he asked me questions and we, we yeah. yeah we I, I wish folks could see you and Danny side by side. What what a contrast yeah. in ministry leadership. And he's, man, he's a blessing. That brother is a blessing. The music that he played at the end of y'all's service on, on Sunday was you've got some talented musicians. Yeah, we do. We do. We're blessed. You really, you really are. Well, brother Howard's or Harold, I, I said that was going to happen. As soon as I call folks named Harold, I call him Howard. It's just my, it's my, unfortunately, it's just me. So God saves us, shapes us, uh, sends us and sustains us. One more S I want to get in there. God secures us safely home. We, we're, we're going home. We're not going to be here forever. Yeah. And some days that's probably more encouraging than, than others. What are you looking forward to about heaven? Well, I want to see Jesus. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's he's the one. He's the reason I'm there. Uh, but you know, I you know, you I've done a lot of I've got a lot of friends in heaven, and uh, man, I I want to see them. Uh, you know, they're enjoying the Lord now. But uh, man, I every now and then I'll I'll look at the list of people I've done funerals for and think, yeah. man, there's a lot of people in heaven I know, and uh, a lot of people that are there that had an influence on my life. And, uh, and so I, you know, I, I want to see Jesus and praise him and, and, uh, enjoy the, the fellowship with some of those again. And Harold, uh, this, ch- this answer could change day by day, but other than the Lord, other than Christ, uh, who would you love to just have a conversation with that, that as far as you know, is in heaven right now? Oh, I, I had a dear friend named, uh, David that, uh, my hunting buddy and, uh, man, I, I miss him. He died about five years ago. Had a, wow. a blood clot and uh you know there's a few times last year i wanted to tell him about kentucky basketball but uh yeah <laughs> you'd love to talk about uk basketball this year with him he's not the least bit worried about this losing season and so uh, <laughs> he's not but uh man there's so many that, that's a good question i i had a custodian named doran and uh it broke he had a heart attack and it broke my heart and uh yeah. and, you know i just there's so many people i, I want to see well, we have a hope that goes way beyond way beyond this life. Uh, so, uh, Lord willing, Brother Harold, you're going to have a funeral one day that that you're not going to preach. It's going to be your own. Uh, what do you hope folks will remember about you or say about you at uh, at your at your funeral? Mm-hmm. Well, I hope they say he loved Jesus and uh, yeah. he loved people. And uh, you know, I, I I don't want it to be about me. I, but uh, I'm I'm thankful that uh, the Lord lets me be a pastor. Uh, yeah that's the well, greatest calling and and uh, he don't have much to work with but 
but I'm thankful that he that he that he called me to do it. They'll say he's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, do you have a bucket list, some things that you're hoping to hoping to do to get accomplished? In in life or or ministry or either one, either one. Not really. Okay, really. you're doing it every day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Whatever God puts in front of. So here's some quick questions with short answers. Best book you've read in the last uh, six months or a year? Oh, uh, Gentle and Lowly. I, I love that book. Uh, Everybody says did that. A, did a series on uh, turning our eyes upon Jesus uh, for, for Brother Stephen's revival. Read this book and then said, I'm going to do a series on turning our eyes upon Jesus because it's uh, this good. And then uh, I just started reading this book, uh, We Will Not Be Silenced by Edwin Lutzer. That, uh, man, it's, that's powerful. I, I would uh, encourage that book. Of, uh, what about the Lutzer book? What, what stood out to you about, about it? What's it about? Well, it's just about uh, the church being timid and fearful and uh, not taking a stand. And yeah. uh, I mean, he talks about, I mean, Marxism and, and culture and uh, sexual revolution. And, and so I'm, yeah. I'm about halfway through that. But but he's just saying we, we can't be silent about these things. We we've already given way too much ground. Yeah. And uh, we, we've got to stand on the word and, and be bold and and stop being fearful. Brother Harold, somebody asked me this week um, about the decline in Southern Baptist church attendance. And man, honestly, for me, th that's no surprise at all to me. If we're going to walk with Jesus, I think we will see our numbers decline in some ways. Folks who are nominal Christians, that is Christian in name only, they're not going to keep attending church services if the church is dealing honestly with the Bible and preaching, you know, unless they just get converted and then they're going to yeah, yeah. then they're going to come to church, even if it means being ostracized by society. We're not spoiling for a fight, but we do need to have biblical convictions on yeah. on cultural yeah. issues. And, and we've got to we've got to teach our young younger generations because they they're hearing everything that's counter that that's counter to the word of God. Yeah, and they're they're just buying it that it's the way it's supposed to be. And uh, if if we don't make sure they're grounded in the word, they're 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 just going to go with it. Yeah, it's always a challenge to know what to give attention to. Um, favorite podcast or preacher that you like to listen to? You mentioned a couple already. Is there, Do you listen to podcasts? Is that something that you do? Yeah, yeah. I run in the mornings. I listen to Alistair every morning. I listen to the briefing, and uh, I listen to uh, uh Rainer on Leadership, uh, the Established Church. Uh, you said that you said the. You said the briefing, Dr. Muller, Dr. Muller gave a lot of attention to Sunrise the other day. He dedicated most of his show to talking about uh, Sunrise Children's Services and yeah. the challenges that they were they were facing. I thought that was helpful. I was encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, one of your deceased ministry heroes, so someone who is a ministry hero that's gone on to be with the Lord, either up close or from a distance, who would who would that be? Ooh, I, I loved Adrian Rogers. Uh, yep. His preaching. Uh, so I, I'd probably go with him. I, I, George Mueller, I love that book yeah. about him always trusting the Lord. Jim Elliott. Uh, George Mueller, 
Brother Harold, George Mueller had to figure out every day how to get happy in the Lord. His 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 first goal of the day was to figure out how to get his soul happy in the in, in the Lord. I thought that's just incredible. It's not just about getting through yeah. your quiet time, but getting your frame of mind, which means he didn't start out the day happy in the Lord. And he had to yeah. get there. That that encourages yeah. me. I wake up in a foul mood almost every day and have to work hard to get get in a good yeah. good uh, good humor. And and he didn't post, you know, he didn't have social media where he posted the needs of the day. I mean, he just prayed and yeah, just it, how the Lord provided every day for the orphanage and the work. That that's just amazing. Best marital advice for folks in ministry for other other pastors or or spouses. Best best or wife. Best marital advice for folks in ministry. Yeah. Uh, it would just mean don't uh, don't keep track of what percentage you think your partner's given. Just give 100%. And, yeah. Uh, don't say, well, she did this, and so I'll do that. Just, Man, just that's give good. For the glory of God, just give and, and don't keep track. Secret to a good marriage is is uh, two two forgivers getting through life together. That was Billy Graham's wife that, that made good. that made that statement. Best that's pastoring good. advice for a young pastor, someone just getting started, what would you say to them? Yeah, I'd just say, uh, you know, love the people. Uh, I mean, ask the Lord to give you a heart for the people. Yeah. And serve them, serve them. And, uh, y- you know, humility goes a long ways. Yeah, uh, they exactly they don't expect right. you to, you're going to mess up sometimes. So just humble yourself and uh, admit it. You know, if you just admit it. Yeah. If you lay an egg, stand back and admire it with them and have a little bit of fun. <laughs> That's right. Well, that's really good. If you were the um, SBC president, and, and I've heard four other names, but I haven't heard your name mentioned yet as a candidate. But if you were the SBC president, what would you want to focus on in the next year? What's our greatest need, in your opinion? Well, I mean, uh, we could say unity, but uh, I mean, the Great Commission is, I mean, we're, we're declining and people need the Lord. And yeah. so, uh, you know, people in our churches, they don't, they don't read all that stuff that we read on Twitter and see all that garbage. We need to, we need to make the gospel known. I think. I agree with you. Yeah. So um, what do you love about your Kentucky Baptist convention? Man, we, we just got some top shelf guys that, that lead us and they're godly. And uh, man, everybody I've worked with Andy McDonald's our regional consultant. I, I love Andy and his heart and uh, Rob Patterson uh, I, I appreciate you, Dr. Gray, that you don't care if it's a big church or small church. You you uh, encourage pastors. You, you get to know their name and uh, you you call them and encourage them and uh, you lead us in evangelism. And uh, so I, I appreciate that. Uh, I feel like all the, the the leaders at the KBC are encouraging and uh, I think we can do more together. And uh, and so I'm thankful for your guys for your work. Well, Harold, God, God shapes us for a ministry. I pastored 20 years in, in different type churches, just like just like you did. But in the midst of that, I, I learned what it feels like to be a pastor and the challenges of one. And, and when the Lord let me come into a role with the convention, man, I just want to serve pastors and help because I know what you're you're doing the work. The, the work is in the local church. It's not in the convention mission board staff. We're trying. We're working. But our work yeah. is to help you with with uh, with your work. So thank you for every everything you do. Yeah. Uh, favorite Kentucky food or restaurant, and has it changed since you've moved to Northern Kentucky? Oh, I'm a steak guy. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you, uh, it, it, the steakhouses, I I'll eat any of them. I I like them all. Uh, you like that Northern Kentucky chili? I mean, I could mention the names, but it might sound, it's not like we're advertising. Yeah. No, I'm just a steak guy. I, you know, I. I get laughed at sometimes. I, 
But I, I mean, I'll eat skyline or yeah. I'll eat them, but uh, give well, me some steak. So I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try a third time. Have you tried Geta? <laughs> yes, I have. Do you like it? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta cook it the right way. You gotta cook it yeah. thin, and you gotta get yeah. it really done. If you don't cook it thin, now, it's gonna be mushy on the inside. So Geta is a sausage type product for folks that don't know that came from Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area. And there's actually a Geta festival in Northern Kentucky every year, or in Cincinnati every every year. It's a sausage type, has some oats in it. Uh, but if it's cooked, if it's cooked right, it's really good with eggs. It can be pretty good I, as a sandwich. I have it. I have tried it cooked pretty good, and it, it is it's pretty good. Yeah, if it's cooked I, I right, it's pretty good. Oh, that it wasn't so good. So yeah. Brother Harold, anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? No, brother, you you got a lot, and I appreciate it, and. Uh, appreciate people taking the time to listen and uh i appreciate you dr gray that you just uh you get to know people's names and uh call them by their name and and show you you love them and care for them and that 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 goes a long ways brother we're in this thing together man we're just here for a while we need to love each other treat each other right and try to try to serve jesus and make it and we don't always get it right when you're busy trying to do work we sometimes we say things speak out of turn etc but we need a lot of grace, and we need to keep moving forward together. I'm grateful for you and grateful for your ministry at, at Burlington. And, man, love that church. Y'all are just – you're a cooperative program champion. They're a, they're a cooperative program champion church, and we're just grateful for you and your your ministry. Can I pray for you before we cut loose? Thank you. All right. Dear Lord, thank you, for Brother Harold. Thank you for Burlington Baptist Church. Father God, I pray just as simply as I know how. I pray, Lord, the best – I pray you'll knit his heart with that congregation and them with him and their staff – And I pray the best days of that church would be out in front of them and not behind them. And I pray some of those best days would be experienced under his leadership. And then I pray, Lord, Deuteronomy 111 over his life, that you'll you'll multiply him, make him a thousand times as many more as he is right now, and that you'll bless him as you've promised. And we pray this together. Lord, please use us for your purposes. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Leadership Lessons. This program is made possible by the generous contributions by Kentucky Baptist through the cooperative program. For more information about the Kentucky Baptist Convention, go to kybaptist.org. And for news about how Kentucky Baptist churches are making a difference, go to kentuckytoday.com.